What is up, everyone? Welcome to another FAA podcast show. Just me again today, but we got a lot of football to cover. Um, lots going on in the spring games here. So we got four week one XFL games to recap. I thought it was a good product overall. Um, first weekend back with the XFL and then we had the uh, USFL college draft today, so we'll talk a little bit about that, who I thought um, had some good players there and, and some notable players got drafted for sure. And then uh, we'll talk some NFL news and then just wrap it up with uh, we got one game in between shows here on Thursday night, uh, the Battle Hawks and the Sea Dragons talk about that game preview that a little bit we won't be picking that but uh, we'll talk about it so xfl week one underway i again i thought it was a great product on the field just one blowout um that came on in the next game which we talked about on saturday night but uh the first game here the arlington renegades beating the vegas vipers 22 to 20 uh, I was disappointed because the, the three-game parlay I had, uh, spread parlay, would have hit had the Renegades held on at the end and not allowed Vegas to score a late touchdown. But, uh, yeah, I got my my old D.C. Defenders shirt on from 2020, so got the old logo there. Uh, but, anyways, Louis Perez... For Vegas, uh, they he, he went to 22 of 36, 61.1%, 249 yards, three touchdowns, two picks. He also had one two-point conversion uh, that he threw to tight end Brendan Dillon, not on the board here. Drew Plitt, surprise starter for Arlington. Uh, I had Kyle Sloter as the starter, but uh, Drew Plitt, Acquainted himself very well, 19-25, great accuracy, 172 yards, uh, no touchdowns, one interception, five carries for 16 yards. I was kind of surprised about the mobility there of Plitt, but uh, did enough to get the win here, and he got a lot of help from the, from the defense, which we'll talk about. Uh, overall, most of the games, the running games couldn't really get going. Uh, the defense has kind of stymied most of the running attacks uh, around the league this weekend. But Davion Smith led the game in run, rushing for Arlington, 15 carries, 42 yards, uh, two receptions, 15 yards. He had uh, a one-point conversion. Um, as we know, in the XFL, you can go for one at the two-yard line, uh, three, uh, two at the five-yard line, and you can go for three points at uh, the 10-yard line after touchdowns. Jeff Bidette for the Vipers. He led the game in receiving six catches, 81 yards, two touchdowns, nine targets. I also want to mention Sal Canella, my guy. Uh, he played on the USFL's New Orleans Breakers, I believe, last year, and he was a beast. He was a beast in the XFL originally um, when it was in in 2020. Had a great game, seven catches, 70 yards, eight targets for Sal Canelo. Defensively, uh, there's three guys I want to talk about. One on Vegas, 
Defensive lineman LaRon Stokes had himself a nice game. Seven tackles, four of them solos, one and a half sacks, three and a half tackles for loss. But it was really about the defensive touchdowns for Arlington. That helped them win this game tremendously. Devontae Bosby, the former uh, Eagles corner there, as I knew him anyways. He's been with a couple different teams in the NFL, uh, most recently the Broncos, I believe. But two tackles, both of them solos, one tackle for loss, a six-yard pick, six. And then the guy that started the comeback from uh, Arlington, defensive lineman Tomasi Lalil. If you remember him back in the old XFL in 2020, he is still here. He was a beast then. He's a beast now. One tackle. It was a solo tackle and a 22-yard pick six for the big man touchdown there. Love to see that. Um, the Vipers, they covered plus three and a half. I had two and a half, so I lost out by the hook there. Uh, over 36 and a half. E- uh, not easily, but over. I called the over in this one. I was only wrong, I think, on uh, one of the games there. Or no, two. I think I was wrong on two of the games. I don't remember. Uh, the This was the blowout here on Saturday night. The Houston Roughnecks rolling the Orlando Guardians 33-12. to uh, Brandon Silvers was magnificent for Houston, 26 of 42, 61.9%, 272 yards, two touchdowns, two picks, kind of kept the Guardians in it for a little bit there. Uh, the Guardians, they played two quarterbacks, Paxton Lynch got the start, uh, DeAndre Francois was actually inactive, I was surprised about that, but Lynch, 15 of 21, 71.4%, 136 yards, one touchdown, one pick. The QB accuracy for the Guardians was actually really good. It's just they didn't throw for a lot of yards on their completions, and the turnovers really killed them. Um, Orlando's other quarterback, Quentin Dormady, he went 12 of 18, 66.7%, 142 yards, one touchdown, and two picks. So a lot of interceptions in this game. Roughnecks uh, running back Max Borgie led the game in rushing by a yard over uh, Orlando running back Jermaine Martin. Uh, Eight carries, 42 yards, one touchdown, four catches for 32 yards for Max Borgie there all around uh, back there, three-down player for the Roughnecks, which I love Max Borgie coming out of Washington State. Great player there. I'm excited to watch him the rest of the year. Uh also, uh, Houston, they did have quarterback Cole McDonald in the game for a little bit. He was in the goal line packages doing the QB run game. Four carries, 14 yards, and a rushing touchdown there. Uh, Roughnecks, wide receiver Deontay Burnett. I highlighted him in the preview, uh, season preview there. Great first game. Eight catches, 90 yards, a touchdown on 12 targets. Uh, he is second in the XFL in receiving yards right now. No one went over 100 yards through the air uh, as a receiver this weekend. It got close with uh, Burnett and another guy we'll talk about in a sec. Uh, Really great game by Orlando's tight end Cody Latimer. Five catches, 68 yards, a touchdown on six targets. And then uh, also want to mention Roughnecks wide receiver Travell Harris had double-digit targets as just like Burnett. Five catches, 48 yards on 11 targets. 
Defensively, how about the monster game by Roughnecks linebacker Trent Harris? I mean, holy first game, dude. Four tackles, all of them solos. Four sacks, four tackles for loss. He just absolutely wrecked the Guardians' uh, offensive line all night, and they could guard nothing, uh, really. <laughs> also a great game, his teammate, linebacker Tim Ward, four tackles, all of them solos, two sacks, three tackles for loss. The Roughnecks covered minus 3.5, easily over 35.5. I had this one going under, so that's on me. Yeah, I think the Renegades game was the only over-under I picked correctly. Uh, but I digress. On Sunday, the Battle Hawks, what a comeback against the Bra the San Antonio Brahmas. 18-15, St. Louis gets the win. Here's what here's what happened. 125 to go in the game. The Battle Hawks are down 15 to 3, right? AJ McCarron gets them into the end zone. They go for three points. And they get it. <laughs> he throws a touchdown to Hakeem Butler. They get the three-point conversion to Austin Prohl. So then you're down by three. 15 to 12. Okay. Got an onside kick, right? No, in the XFL, you can do a 4th and 15 uh, from your own 25, I think it is, or 20, whatever. Uh, and it, it serves as an onside kick. You keep the ball if you convert. And that they did. To Austin Prohl once again. And who else scored the game-winning touchdown with six seconds left? Of course, Austin Prohl. And his dad, Ricky Prohl, former NFL wide receiver with the Rams and Panthers, um, is the wide receivers coach, I believe, for St. Louis. If not the wide receivers coach, he's a coach on the staff. Uh, but a great embrace by him after Prohl scored the touchdown there. And uh, it was just all around, like, this is what the XFL is about. Like, this is what can happen. This is what makes it exciting. So uh, I, that was, like, the craziest thing to happen this weekend. To go to the stats here, though, Jack Cohn got the start for San Antonio. Uh, I was impressed by by Cohn's accuracy in the, the first half, first three quarters of the game, really. 25 of 36, 69.4%, 207 yards, one touchdown, one pick, four carries, 10 yards, and a fumble. Uh, Battlehawks quarterback A.J. McCarron, the veteran presence that he is, offense was not going most of the game but they turned it on when it mattered most 18 of 26 69.2 percent 190 yards two touchdowns four carries 12 yards and one three-point conversion i mentioned uh brahma's running back kalen balaj he leads he leads the xfl in rushing yards 24 carries 84 yards not very good average but who has one other than brian hill there uh three carries three receptions for 13 yards and I mentioned Austin Prohl, the Battlehawks wide receiver, four catches, 49 yards, uh, one touchdown on four targets, also had that three-point conversion. And then uh, Brahma's wide receiver, Jalen Tolliver, actually tied Prohl for the lead, lead in receiving yards in this one. Three catches, 49 yards on five targets. Uh, and defensively, there wasn't much going on, so I'm going to go with Brahma's defensive lineman, Mike Scott, two tackles, both of them solos, two sacks, two tackles for loss the Battlehawks covered by the hook minus two and a half under 36 
And the last game of the week was a good one again. These guys got the win. DC Defenders, 22-18 over the Seattle Sea Dragons. Um, <laughs> in a comeback effort, just like the other games, the other uh, two games that, that we had close. Uh it started with defense. Michael Joseph was the star of the game. We'll talk about him on uh, the D.C. defense. Greg Williams, great defensive coordinator to have on your side. Uh, but <laughs> the Sea Dragons quarterback Ben DiNucci, 35 of 52. 35 of 54, 64.8%, 282 yards, one touchdown, Two picks and a fumble. The turnovers really allowed D.C. to come back into this game. Uh, the quarterbacks did not fare very well for D.C. offensively, uh, at least throwing the ball anyways. Jordan Ta'amu is your starting quarterback for the defenders. Eight of 19, just 42.1%. 86 yards, not very good. A pick, not very good. But he did have a rushing touchdown, and he did have a two-point conversion uh, throw. So that was the good in the bed for Jordan Tom. Derek King also played a lot in this game. One of two passing, 50%, seven yards there. But it was really his legs that changed this game. Eight carries, 14 yards, a rushing touchdown, and one two-point conversion run. Sea Dragons uh, running back Brendan Knox out of Marshall. He led the game in rushing. Again, not very good rushing production from either team. 11 carries, 31 yards, and a touchdown for Knox. Sea uh, Dragons wide receiver Jacor Pearson, he's the guy that I mentioned, um, is the lead league leader in receiving yards right now, five yards. Um, over Roughnecks wide receiver Deontay Burnett, I had a blank there. Uh, anyways, Jacor Pearson, twelve catches, ninety-five yards, fourteen targets there, big target load for Pearson and great game great first game for him even in a loss there how about uh Josh Gordon household name there Seattle Sea Dragons wide receiver Josh Gordon six catches 74 yards a touchdown on nine targets and then Seahawks uh I swear I'm gonna do that so many times this season Sea Dragons wide receiver Blake Jackson also with double digit targets eight catches 51 yards on 11 targets. Lucky Jackson for DC caught uh, the Jordan Ta'amu two-point conversion there. He had four catches for 25 yards on five targets. Defensively, have to go with the man, the myth, the legend, the man with two first names, Michael Joseph, defensive back for DC. He was the star of this game. They had a picture of him with his two game balls, uh, the two balls that he intercepted that he kept from the game six tackles four solos two picks one of them was a 37 yard pick six uh jamal brooks also game saving play for dc down at the one yard line seattle about to score and win the game five tackles all of them solos for jamal brooks one sack one tackle for loss and he forced the fumble of ben DiNucci and recovered it himself to win the game for the defenders dc the only underdog to win this weekend plus one and a half uh over 35 and a half 
XFL news uh, this weekend. XFL owners Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Danny Garcia announced the XFL championship game will be hosted at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, where the Brahmas play. It'll be May 13th at 8 p.m. on ABC. Look forward to that and look forward to my DC Defenders being in that game because we all know that's going to happen because I picked them to win the North Division. So, want to know? We just got to keep going want to know every week, right? USFL news. We had the USFL college draft today. The guys at uh, the USFL podcast, shout out to them. They had a uh, a great show for that um, today on YouTube. I was very pleased to watch that for most of the rounds there after I got done prepping for our show here. But... Um, Notable names to get drafted. In the first round, the Maulers, Pittsburgh Maulers, selected quarterback Lindsey Scott Jr. out of Incarnate Word, uh, number two overall. Uh, right after him, another quarterback, Chase Bryce out of Appalachian State, went to the Houston Gamblers. And the last notable player that I had in the first round, fifth overall, the New Orleans Breakers, took wide receiver Tyler Scott out of Cincinnati, I think he's going to be an NFL guy. So is Lindsey Scott. Chase Bryce is an iffy one. But, yeah, just want to mention that the the rules to the college draft today. So they were drafting 80 players from a pool of approximately 3,000 eligible to join professional football. Uh, all players must have been out of high school for at least three years waive their remaining college eligibility, or have exhausted their college eligibility. Uh, you can come from a junior college if you requested to be in the draft, uh, to, to be draft eligible once they're two years out of high school and haven't enrolled in a four-year college. And uh, you, the teams couldn't trade draft picks, no, uh, nor can they trade playing rights of a drafted player for a player currently under contract. And... Uh, each team will has now secured the rights of 10 players each. Um, and they are not a part of the 58-man training camp roster coming up next month. Going back to the notable picks I had written down there, the Michigan Panthers in the second round, they had the first pick of each round, so they uh, selected quarterback Tanner Morgan out of Minnesota, uh, eighth overall. The New Jersey Generals got a quarterback, Adrian Martinez, out of Kansas State, 15th overall. And then at uh, in the third round, another quarterback going off the board, the Birmingham Stallions, USFL champs, defending champs, they took Malik Cunningham, quarterback out of Louisville, uh, 22nd overall. In the fourth round, I have three guys written down here, 26th overall. The Houston Gamblers took defensive lineman Scott Matlock out of Boise State. That was a good selection there. Two picks later at 28th, break the New Orleans Breakers, running back Keaton Mitchell out of ECU, East Carolina, 
Um, very shifty back there. Uh, he might have a chance to, to get to the USFL next season, I think. He'll get a shot with someone, I think, in the NFL this year, though. Uh, and then two picks after him, 30th overall. The Birmingham Stallions took wide receiver Darius Davis out of TCU. Speed for days uh, and return ability there for Davis. In the fifth round, uh, interesting selection by the Pittsburgh Maulers. I really like Isaiah Land, defensive end out of Florida A&M. I think he's got a real good shot at being drafted in the NFL this year. Um, Solid guy that played stand-up off-ball linebacker at the Senior Bowl. So I'm excited to watch him. I don't think there's any more in the fifth round that I see. The sixth round had a couple guys, I believe. Yes, a couple guys. Dante Stills, the New Orleans Breakers uh, defensive lineman out of West Virginia. He went 44th. Just to mention, uh, Isaiah Land, 33rd overall to the Maulers there. Dante Stills, 44th to the Breakers. And then two picks later, Jose Ramirez going to the Philadelphia Stars defensive end out of Eastern Washington. Really solid player out of EMU there. Um, I was I was happy about him getting drafted. Seventh round here, uh, Taylor Grimes, Lindsey Scott's teammate there at UIW. Got drafted also to the Pittsburgh Maulers. So, hey, we might end up seeing the the Cardinals teammates there going to the Maulers together. Maybe. We'll see. My Memphis Showboats, I love this selection. Nehemiah Shelton out of San Jose State. He's a defensive back corner. Great player. I think he could land on the Showboats this year possibly. But we'll see if he can slide into day three of the NFL draft there. And then last one in round seven here, Grant Dubose for the Birmingham Stallions. Wide receiver out of Charlotte was at the Senior Bowl, I believe, um, if I'm correct. Might have only been at the NFL PA Bowl. I, I don't remember. Or the East West Shrine. Regardless, good player, slot high. Um, I think he, he could have a shot there with the Stallions. In the eighth round, there were some uh, some real good players here. My Memphis Showboats, 59th overall, Trey Shropshire out of UAB. Love that pick. He was a beast at, at UAB for the Blazers there. Um, doesn't get much better than that. Next pick, Jake Bobo. 60th overall to the New Orleans Breakers, wide receiver out of UCLA. I know I saw in the USFL newsroom uh, or the Pro Football Network Discord there, a lot of guys were saying, uh, you know, could beef him up and put him at tight end, which I, I think that's fine. He can do whatever for for the Breakers um, or who whatever NFL team wants to scoop him up. The Breakers, interesting draft scenario. They drafted a lot of guys that probably aren't going to help them uh, or aren't going to be in the USFL uh, this year or even next year, probably. So, interesting strategy there for the Breakers. And then, last one in round eight here, 61st overall, the first punter of the day, Adam Corsack, punter out of Rutgers. He's going to get drafted, y'all, I-, I believe, anyways. I think he's the number one punter. I could be wrong. 
But uh, Adam Korsak, very good punter out of Rutgers. Wouldn't be surprised if he is uh, in the NFL next season. Round nine, uh, Jacob Slade, defensive tackle out of Michigan State. I thought the Maulers did a very good job in this draft. Um, getting some guys that may or may not make the NFL and uh, getting some guys that probably could help them next season in 2024. Uh, but Jacob Slade, very good interior presence there for Pittsburgh. I didn't like this pick here for the Houston Gamblers, 66th overall. Jason Taylor, the second safety out of Oklahoma State. I think he's surefire going to make the NFL. Just don't know how high he's going to get drafted. He's a great instinctive player. Interested to see what he runs at the Combine next week. But I think uh, that was not a good pick for Houston because I think that's one of the couple of guys here that are almost surefire to get into the NFL. And then the final round here was interesting. Um, we had another punter go. Ethan Evans, punter out of Wingate to the Pittsburgh Maulers again. I think the Maulers did a great, had a great draft. Um, and then, so Ethan Evans, I believe he was at the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl there. Great pick there. And long snapper, New Jersey Generals, Nick Zacchino, uh, long snapper out of Purdue. Interesting selection there, drafting a long snapper. But uh, those were my th thoughts on the USFL draft. Just uh, as I read the names, like I said, I thought the uh, Pittsburgh Maulers did a very good job in their draft, getting some notable guys. And I thought also the Breakers didn't have a good draft because they drafted a lot of guys that are probably going to make the NFL the next couple of years. And then lastly, probably the Stallions were the, the in-between pick there for me. I thought they did a pretty good job, uh, but just not as good of a job as the Maulers did. The college football news, just one thing to note, the NCAA is having proposed rule changes, um, talking about it with conference commissioners there, and maybe maybe we could implement these to make college games go quicker. I don't know why, but uh, two, the two rule changes they're looking at, the clock will continue to run after first downs, uh, except inside two minutes, and the clock will run on incompletions after the ball is spotted. That's an implementation coming from the XFL that we saw this past weekend. So, you know, always trying to learn from other leagues, experimental stuff like that. NFL news, the franchise tag window opens today. We have not gotten any tags yet today, but uh, we still got a, a lot of day to go here. So, We'll have to wait and see, but yeah, I think uh, we're going to see a bunch of guys get tagged this year, maybe uh, more than, than we have had in a couple years, but the tag window is open for two weeks. It's going to end, um, it's going to end. March 7th at 4 p.m., so two weeks to get a deal done or tag it. Tag him, whatever player it is. Notable tag can candidates, though, here. 
Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson, Giants quarterback Daniel Jones, Giants running back Saquon Barkley, Seahawks quarterback Geno Smith, Cowboys running back Tony Pollard, and tight end Dalton Schultz, Chiefs left tackle Orlando Brown Jr., Bengals safety Jesse Bates III, Commanders defensive tackle Deron Payne, and Raiders running back Josh Jacobs. There are other guys that may get tagged that we do not have on that list, not an exhaustive list. Um, anyhow, the tag numbers, Field Yates tweeted that out this morning. For a quarterback, it is 32.416 million. Running back is 10.091 million. Wide receiver, 19.743 million. Tight end, 11.345 million. Offensive lineman is 18.244 million. Defensive end, 19.727 million. Defensive tackle, 18.937 million. Linebacker, 20.926 million. Corner, 18.14 million. Safety, 14.46 million. And punter or kicker is $5.393 million. So, a lot of money there. But uh, we'll see. A bunch of guys get tagged, I think, anyways. Coaching carousel. News from Carolina. The Panthers head coach, Frank Reich, uh, it was announced today. He will be calling the offensive plays um, in Carolina despite having an offensive coordinator there. Uh, in Anthony Anthony Brown? Thomas Brown. Thomas Brown. Uh, the Browns, speaking of Brown, <laughs> Browns fired special teams coordinator Mike Prefer today. So they now have a coordinator spot open. They are uh, interviewing Giants assistant special teams coordinator Anthony Blevins for that position. That's the first interview there in Cleveland. The Cardinals, Jonathan Gannon filling out his staff. He has got his coordinators set, hiring his uh, former former colleague there in uh, Eagles linebackers coach Nick Rollis as his defensive coordinator. And he went to Cleveland to hire Browns quarterbacks coach Drew Petzing as his offensive coordinator. Petzing getting, uh, I think, one head coach interview and a bunch of other offensive coordinator interviews. The Colts have their offensive coordinator, new head coach Shane Steichen, hiring Jaguars pass game coordinator Jim Bob Cooter as uh, his new OC there. The Panthers, again, I, I mentioned uh, filling out the staffs here. They, Frank Reich has hired NFL Network analyst and former Pro Bowl defensive back D'Angelo Hall as his assistant defensive backs coach. So D. Hall getting into the coaching game finally after thinking about it for a couple of years. The Dolphins, they have hired Chargers defensive coordinator Ronaldo Hill as their pass, defensive pass game coordinator under new defensive coordinator Vic Fangio. Worked together in... Uh, LA and LA Chargers there or in LA in the Rams I believe when Brandon Staley was was there with the Rams uh, the Chargers are getting a DC in-house they are promoting defensive pass game coordinator Derek Ansley uh, to defensive coordinator there filling Ronaldo Hill's spot and one last coaching news the Eagles defensive coordinator position they are interviewing former Wisconsin defensive coordinator 
Uh, Jim Leonard. Be very excited about uh, if we can get Jim Leonard to be our DC. It'd be uh, a great get for Nick Sirianni there in Philly. Cap savings here. Uh, of course, the Saints. Uh, I feel like every show we're going to have a Saints cap saving move here to try to get them under the cap. They have converted $10 million of center Eric McCoy's 2023 compensation into a signing bonus. They added a void year on the end of his deal. Uh, to spread the cap hit out, creates $8 million in cap hit, cap savings. That's uh, big savings there for New Orleans. One injury to note, uh, it's surgery season. So Chiefs wide receiver Mecole Hardman, he had successful groin surgery. Should be good to go uh, by the summer there, I would think. And uh, he is a free agent, so uh, getting healthy for a, a free agency run there for Mecole. Transactions, the Bears, they released defensive end Al-Kadeen Muhammad, free to sign with any team he wants. And a couple of re-signings for a couple of special teamers. Patriots re-signed special, teams, special teamer Matthew Slater to a one-year $2.667 million deal. I believe the cap hits around $1.327 million. Um, so nice deal for New England there and Slater to return for his 16th season. And the Panthers, they have re-signed the longest-tenured Panther. Long snapper J.J. Jansen returning on a one-year deal. Drafted Thomas Fletcher a couple years ago uh, to replace Jansen, and he said, no, sir, I will not yield. Um, don't remember what that's from. Sorry, but it's a movie reference, I think. Anyways, uh, <laughs> the one game we have in between shows here, the XFL Week 2 kicks off. On Thursday night, the St. Louis Battlehawks in uh, Seattle to face the Seattle Sea Dragons. Uh, I believe this is at Lumen Field where the Seahawks play, so that is going to be a lot of Seas there. Uh, anyways, the Battlehawks are three-point underdogs on the road here. The total is 36. I don't know why the, the Battlehawks wouldn't. I, I still like St. Louis. Ben DiNucci did play very well, I will say that, and his receivers are electric. Josh Gordon, Jacor Pearson, Blake Jackson, but I don't know. There's something about Anthony Becht. Uh, I think I'm going to, I like Battlehawks plus three, and I think I'm going to go with my gut and pick the St. Louis Battlehawks, even though it, it, we're not officially picking this game. I think I'm going to go with the Battlehawks, though, just for, for Mark. And I just like the Battlehawks logo. I like Anthony Beck. A.J. McCarron is the veteran there. And uh, I think the Battlehawks can can find a way to get it done on the road. Total is 36. I'm going with the over. I think the over hits in that game. Surprised they're keeping it low still on the totals after we saw three out of the four go over this weekend. 9 p.m. Got to stay up late for that one. 9 p.m. Eastern on FX and ESPN+. It's going to be weird to watch a game on FX. And next week, we'll be back. We'll be talking XFL Week 2 game recaps. Uh, we'll have the St. Louis-Seattle recap on Friday's show, and then we'll recap the other three games next Tuesday. Also, we'll uh, look ahead a little bit to XFL Week 3. I believe we have another Thursday night game there uh, in week three. I just have to double check the schedule. No, we do not. We have a triple header on Sunday, actually, next 
uh, in week three. That's interesting. One on Saturday, three on Sunday, week three. That's interesting. So uh, we'll recap those games, and then we'll give you all the news and updates around the USFL, XFL, NFL, and, and college football as well as we, we run four, four deep here on the show. But uh, that is the show for today. Thank you all for watching. Don't forget to follow us on all our social media at FAA Podcast on Instagram and Twitter, FAA underscore bets as well. And then FAApodcast.com is our website. You can check us out here on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Again, thank you all for watching, and we'll see you back for Football Friday.